0: This is CUNY TV, the City University of New York.
1: City University Television presents The American Theatre Wing Seminars. Working in the theatre. This seminar, performance.
2: To the 23rd year of the American Theatre Wing's Working in the Theatre Seminars. These come to you from the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. As we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the American Theatre Wing's Antoinette Perry Tony Awards, I am so pleased to be able to bring you these seminars. They're a wonderful, rare chance to see what it is to work in the theatre. This opportunity comes to you to watch, listen and learn from performers and producers, playwrights, directors, choreographers, set and scene designers and costumers, and everybody that works in the theatre and makes up the whole of theatre. We're discussing realities of working in the theatre. And since we first introduced these seminars, more than Mm one thousand of Broadway's finest and yet to be finest have taken place in these seminars as many of you already know the wing is more than the tony awards and this year there's a lot of talk about the tony awards and we are indeed pleased that there is, is a very exciting season and the tony is going to be seen over cbs over millions so that millions and millions of people can see how great the new york theater is but the American Theatre Wing is more than the Tonys. We're a year-round organization, and the Tony Award was given for achieving distinguished attitudes in the theatre, the creative part of the theatre. And we continue to salute that as we go through (coughs) our programs year-round. We bring theatre to hospitals and nursing homes and aid centres, so that people who cannot come out yet get to see and enjoy the thrill of live theatre. We go into schools, and five years ago, we established Introduction to Broadway. And since that time, more than 55,000 New York City schoolchildren, many for the first time, came to Broadway to see their very (coughs) first Broadway show. And then, based on that, we realized that we needed to do more than that. So professionals, theatre professionals, went into the high schools and talked to the students to tell them what it was to work in the theatre. Not only from the point of being a dancer or a singer or a director, but also there are other role models for them to see. They could be a stage manager, a carpenter or an electrician in the theatre. And it was wonderful to see their minds being opened to the possibilities of what the theatre was all about. You know, The Wing goes on year in and year out, and it's a very exciting thing for us to be able to do. These seminars are unique in the fact that they bring you this wonderful picture into working in the theatre, and I would like to turn <coughs> them over right now, so because we have So little time, and there is so much to say about it, that I find I'm always interrupting at a very crucial time, so I'm hoping I won't have to do that today. And I want to turn this seminar, which is on the performance, right over immediately to Brendan Gill, who is uh, an author, a historian, a uh, writer, and member of the Board of Directors of the American Theatre Wing, and above all of those things. He is a lover of the theatre. And then comes George White, who is uh, president of the Neil Center in Waterford, Connecticut, is on the faculty of Yale University, and is a director both here and abroad. has done wonderful productions in both Russia and China. And they will introduce to you this wonderful panel, this exciting and delightful panel of performers. Thank you very much for being here.
3: <laughs> On my farthest left is Michael Nouri, now appearing in Broadway in Victoria, Victoria. He has also appeared opposite Julie Harris in the Broadway production of Forty Carats, not to mention numerous performances off Broadway and in regional theater. Film roles include Flashdance, and he has received Best Actor award at the Arborias Film Festival for The, for the Hidden. Uh, next to uh, Michael <coughs> is Donna Murphy, who is currently being seen at the Neil Simon Theatre in uh, The King and I. I think the most beautiful production I've ever seen in my life! It's like having died and gone to Heaven! <laughs> uh, and I hope there are elephants <coughs> like that in Heaven! It will <laughs> be a big improvement on my initial notes about Heaven! Uh, Donna, as Her Broadway credits include Passion, Twelve Dreams, and They're Playing Our Song, Off-Broadway, Hello Again, Birds of Paradise, Little Shop of Horrors. She made her feature film in Jade, and has appeared on TV in Law and Order, A Table at Zero's, and Another World. Marklin Baker is uh, next, who is appearing in A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. His past Broadway shows include Laughter on the Twenty-Third Floor, All's Well That Ends Well. An Alice in Concert. <laughs> Film credits include Woody Allen's Manhattan and My Favorite Year, also well-known for TV's Perfect Strangers. And right next to me here on my left is Judith Ivey, currently appearing in A Fair Country. She has innumerable Broadway and Off-Broadway credits, including Steaming Piaf Bedroom Farce. Film work includes Brighton Beach, Memoirs, Compromising Physicians, and The Woman in Red. Uh, I am privileged to ask the first question, and I want to ask Donna something that everybody must ask her, of course, uh, in this magnificent production with such gorgeous <coughs> costumes of every kind. You yourself are wearing the Victorian costumes of a voluminousness that staggers the imagination. Before you do
0: that, I'm going to introduce my side because you've oh, got the power
3: play. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: have more people than I do, so there we are. Oh, okay. Right, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> on my on my far. Right uh, next to Isabel is Daphne Rubin-Vega, c- uh, currently st- starring in Rent, which has just moved onto Broadway. Uh, has preven- previously written songs f- uh, for album and single releases on the Maxi label. Uh, on her immediate left is John Cullum, first seen on Broadway in Camelot, currently appearing in Showboat, Best known on Broadway for Shenandoah on the 20th Century and On a Clear Day You Can See Forever. Well-known to TV audiences as Holling in Northern Exposure, and film credits include 1776, Marie, Sweet Country, and The Prodigal. And on my immediate right is Anne Ducanet, who is fresh from uh, a uh, Japanese tour of Porgy and Bess, and is currently can be seen uh, on Broadway in the Smash It, Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk, uh, and is no stranger to Broadway, as she appeared in Jelly's Last Jam, The Wiz, and Blues in the Night. And off-Broadway appearances include Spunk and Lady Day. And she can also be seen in the film The Cotton Club. Over to you, Brendan.
3: Thank you. George always George commonly gets to ask the first question, because why I was so excited today about my privilege in being able to ask the first question. <coughs> back to back to what I would think of as a, as a problem, your mm. maneuverability inside the voluminousness. Mm. Uh, you had some practice in passion, but nothing like
4: well, in inter-
5: in passion, I played a woman who kind of abandoned um, the outer trappings of that time. So um, there were two principal female characters in passion, and one of the women, Clara, wore gorgeous gowns, and she was corseted and hooped and um, I was somewhat envious of how beautiful she got to look, but being on the other side of it, in terms of what you go through physically to mm-hmm. to wear those those dresses and the weight of them and constricting your body in the way, I think actually Fosca had it easy. <laughs> she made a very good choice. <laughs> I know um, to, to
3: wear a suit today must be a great relief. To
5: oh, you. it's great. Yeah, I mean, I chose to. Start using the hoops and the corsets very early on in rehearsal because it um, pretty much dictates much of not only the way you behave individually but in relation to the other actors. It um, it keeps people from getting close to you, and mm-hmm. I think that that uh, is is an issue that um, is not accidental.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: And uh, you're going to ask well,
0: something. I was going to uh, say it too. Uh, I was. Uh, <coughs> Thrilled and astonished by the way you moved around, obviously in numbers like "Shall We Dance" and all, right. but also <laughs> um, to see um, you were able to actually <laughs> lie on your stomach
6: with that <laughs> is
0: extraordinary. With the head getting lower than the king's right. and all of that. Uh, and you, you, when did you start with uh, that? Uh, you must As have I had said, your "I
5: uh, well, I have three different sized hoops in the, in the show." They get progressively larger, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, the largest is the ball gown. Um,
2: Can you describe what George is talking about as you go down on the floor, and, right. the, and the the costume goes all well, around you? You see the down. the
5: custom in, in Thailand at that time was that no one um, was to keep their head have their head higher than the kings, and in fact the the majority of people. Prostrated themselves on the ground when in the presence of the king, which Anna challenged because she just said, "I I can't work that way. I can't <laughs> think. It's I just I can't do it," which was of course a scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, but he they finally compromised and she agreed to not to keep her head lower than his. So if he sat, she sat, and if he kneeled, she kneeled. And within the show, he tests that, and so in this rather huge. Thing that I'm wearing, um, he goes down to his knees and then goes down on the ground, and I have to negotiate a way to get down there myself. And uh, it's it's a little different every night, which is very good.
3: <laughs> what about the uh, difficulty of singing when your corset is like that? Is that is that technically a difficulty or it not? It
5: takes getting used to. Initially, I had a very hard time with it. Now I've almost come <coughs> to depend on it because you use the corset. Uh, The support of it makes you very aware of your back, and you kind of breathe into it. And you almost need to breathe deeper than where the corset constricts you. So you end up breathing very deeply. But um, I had a stomach virus last (laughs) weekend. (laughs) That in a corset is a whole other experience, (laughs) (laughs) which I advise missing and avoiding at all costs.
0: (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I wanted to uh, move over to Daphne for a second because, uh, in 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 uh, reviewing your credits, uh, <coughs> uh, you uh, did you start as a recording artist? Uh, how did you get going in this business, to, uh, and then move into uh, the theater? Or how did you go?
4: Um, my first success. I mean, I started to make money <laughs> recording, um, but. You know, it was much more difficult to make money <laughs> acting. Mm. So, but, but that doesn't mean that acting was not the first thing that I uh, fell in love with. And my first pursuit, I, um, uh, my first success or uh, experience in professional <coughs> performing <coughs> was uh, being in a girl group called Pajama Party, and we made some albums on, uh, on the Atlantic label. And that's how I started really performing, but acting. So I put acting sort of on the side, um, but it was not. Uh, it didn't come later. It was always there. It was just gestating. You
2: know. How did you get into Rent? I auditioned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, well, how did you know about the audition?
4: My agent. My agent called me and uh, said uh, she knows that I'm a singer. She knew that I was a singer and. Um, she said, there is a rock opera based on La Boheme, and immediately I, I, I wanted to have nothing to do with it. I felt <laughs> that um, yeah. I wanted to keep my music and my acting separate. Mm-hmm. And that was just my choice. I didn't really question it, I just wanted it to be that way. And she said, well, you know, it's, not, um, it's a rock opera. The music is brand spanking new, and uh, Mimi's a junkie. S and M dancer with A- uh, with AIDS, <laughs> and I said,
2: <laughs> that sounds great.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'll try it, you know. And I felt that um, I really had nothing to lose, so so my attitude was completely different. You know, I I didn't go in there ravenous. You know, I just went in there, giving what I could and. Um, After a bunch of auditions, (laughs) you know how it is. (laughs) Well, I know how it is. Um, (laughs) After, after you know that bunch of auditions, I got it, and I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me.
0: Oh, did you uh, see? uh, Have you been to the Met and see Boeing, The uh, I
4: haven't had time. (laughs) Have you ever seen (laughs) it? (laughs) I saw it when I was a kid. Uh, My dad is is. an opera addict. Oh, okay. And so when I was like about nine or ten, I saw La Boheme. So I, I don't base anything that I do on La Boheme, okay. but uh, I did see
2: it once. John, you're looking very studious. No, no, no. I just think, well, I would just listen.
3: <laughs> <laughs> One of the problems we, when we talk about how people get particular jobs, it always turns out that no matter who you are, it seems to be auditioning necessary. But now, in the case of Donna, surely because of what you did with Passion, y- you were a choice very readily for this, or not so?
5: Um, they did, I didn't audition for The King and I. In a way, though this may sound strange, I mean, it was a luxury to be asked to do it, but I have found that auditioning is often the beginning, if you, if you get the gig, of, of a process in terms of – it's almost the beginning of a rehearsal process. and. Um, Uh, I kind of missed that first step. I missed having that first step. Strangely Mm -hmm. enough, I'm not complaining about um, the 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 blessedness of of just being asked to do it. But uh, it took me a long time to to make the choice and to make the commitment to do it. And a year later, I was starting rehearsals. um, And because I've done mostly new shows, I'm used to doing a reading and then a workshop and then. Four to eight weeks rehearsal and and so a process that 's a slower evolution in the theater anyway certainly don 't have that in television or film, but no. in theater and uh, with the king and I um, i didn 't have that on it, so I sort of miss those because when i 'm auditioning is particularly if you have a num- if you have two or three auditions for something it's it's the first steps, and you're you 're making choices and you 're shaping things and uh, so mm-hmm. So it's, it's a
7: mixed kind of blessing, Do
3: you, you have, an auditioning, do you feel the same sense that you are learning something <laughs> from an audition to the
7: next? I, I, I was going to say, I, I was offered the role in Fair Country and didn't audition, and I spent the first week b- waiting for them to fire me. Right. <laughs> and uh, I realized the luxury of auditioning is, it's an affirmation that what you brought in the room is what they want. Right. And when you don't go through the audition process, then you're sitting there for the first week, if not longer, thinking, gee, I wonder if this is what they wanted, you know? um, And if they are um, maybe not quite as forthcoming in their compliments, then it makes you terribly insecure, (laughs) (laughs) and you think. They're going to get rid of me. This isn't what they wanted. So there's a there's a plus side and a downside. I think to audition.
3: For outsiders, we just think of the anguish of having to go through the process of mm-hmm. uh, audition. But it isn't simply anguish. A, uh, in, in, of course, if you're <laughs> successful, then the anguish can be forgotten.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: What is your situation in respect to audition?
0: Yes, sir, I mean, did you? Would they, so, it seemed to me did they put together a team, or did you audition for uh, <coughs> for,
8: for form? form? <coughs> uh, well, forms has been a long time coming. I, I, uh, <laughs> I uh, originally auditioned for FORUM, um, and then a year later, I got a call back. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, the penny <laughs> to drop takes a while. <laughs> 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 <True>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which
8: uh Which I declined to go to, and a year later, they offered me the part. So it was a two-year process, uh, <laughs> pretty much uh, anguish would, would be how I would describe <laughs> it. Yeah. I think there was uh, a lot of concern, because uh, I had just worked with Jerry on Laughter on the Twenty-Third Floor with Nathan, with Lou Stadlin, and Nathan, Nathan was offered the job, I, I think. I, I don't mm-hmm. think they made him audition. Um, and Lou Stadlin was also hired, and uh, I think there was a lot of concern that if they hired a, a third person from Laughter on the Twenty-Third Floor. That that would, I don't know what that would do, but but someone was very That's afraid of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You would have thought that that was have that
8: sense, you're right, yeah. uh, Brendan. When you say ensemble, it does form does have that oh, sense. One, so of the, one of the great things on form is that uh, most <coughs> of the people in that show have worked with each other in different combinations sure. uh, along the way,
3: and you seem and to be having a very a, good time yes. together.
8: Well, as it turns out, yes, we're we're having a good time. People were asking uh, during previews, as a, I'm sure. Two of you know. uh, Are you having a good time? And when you're in previews, you you don't know. It's after you open, you find out whether you're having a good time.
3: (laughs) Now, why was the long delay? Was that mostly raising the money?
8: No. uh, Originally, the production was uh, set to go, and then uh, Nathan was uh, offered uh, the Birdcage, Mm -hmm. and uh, he went off and did that, and they put the production on hold. And a year after that, after that was done. they were able to put it together
3: you wouldn't think you could afford to let things slip like that month after month and then year after year, but that 's the way it works
8: uh, yeah, it always it never happens the way you, you thought it was going to happen mm-hmm.
3: and then sure. as far as commitments in the future go, then you all have to plan for what two years <coughs> from now The other things hovering about, including movies
8: yeah well you just you just never know what's what's going to actually come mm-hmm. to fruition when mm-hmm. yeah.
3: Michael, what about Victoria? Uh, how long did that take to get here?
9: Well, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, a year, <clears throat> about a year. Uh, as far as Blake and Julie are concerned, I think
0: about fifteen years.
3: No, you say a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. And
0: it had its evolution, starting on the coast rather than New York, didn't it? Yes. Well, in the, obviously, it was first the, the, film, the movie, yeah. and I think that
9: Blake had always envisioned it as being a Broadway show. He wanted to do From that. From the beginning. Yeah. And, um, and one, one thing led to another, and as Mark was saying, you, one never knows how it's going to evolve or if it's going to evolve at all. Um, for me, it was, a, it was a, a, just a, a wonderful case of, of serendipity, and uh, of, it was meant to be, is mm-hmm. my experience of it. Uh, uh, nobody knew that I sang. Uh, a director called me up and asked me if I sang, and I, I said, yes, I'd love to sing, we're qualified. <laughs> <laughs> Would you mind coming and, and singing for us? Because I'm going to direct a production of South Pacific with Sandy Duncan. And I said, I'd be delighted to, because it's really my first love, is singing. And so I, uh, I, I practiced a bit, and, and, uh, and I went and I sang for him and for Sandy, and, and they told me how relieved they were that that I could sing, because <laughs> they didn't want to have to make their speeches to me about how regretful they were that
6: <laughs> I wasn't
9: hired. And so I did that uh, at, s- at the uh, 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 Long Beach Civic Light Opera <coughs> in California. And uh, uh, during rehearsals, um, I stopped off at a restaurant to get some coffee. And at, that, at a table, I later found out, Blake told me that at the moment that I walked through the door, he and Tony, Ed- Tony Adams, the uh, producer, were saying, "Who are we going to get to play King Marianne?" And I walked in the door, and it was just—it was like a lightning bolt to oh. them. And, oh. and they said, "Does he sing?" <laughs> <laughs> they called me over to their table. I said, "This is Blake Edwards, and so and so, and we're doing *Victor Victoria* in New York. Do you sing?" And I said, "Yes, as a matter of fact, I—I I do." Now I'm. <laughs> quite
6: confident. <huh>? <laughs> <laughs>
9: I've learned not to equivocate that. No, I mean, Yes, I do. I sing. Uh, here's a script for Victor Victoria. Would you mind reading it? And, uh, and get back to us, let us know if you'd like it. We're going to go to Broadway with it. So I took the script home that night, and I called them the next day, without having even opened the script, and I said, I love it. I think it's great. And it's true. I didn't, I didn't even read it. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) I said, Great, would you come and audition for us? And I said, No, I I won't. And um, it was time, I wasn't being cavalier about it. It's because I felt, one, the schedule was so compressed
6: Mm -hmm.
9: that it it would have been an impossibility. And two, I felt that I would have been shortchanging myself and Mm -hmm. and doing myself an injustice and them. Uh, And I said, Look, you're going to have an opportunity to see me supported by a wonderful cast and a wonderful orchestra, Mm -hmm. and I will give you a car to come down. And, and I mean, here I am offering Blake Edwards and Julie Andrews a car, <laughs> 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 like they need a car. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why well,
9: they moved on to somebody else. No, go on. They just they moved on to somebody else. They, they, they took it however they took it, and they, they offered it to someone else. Uh, and it didn't work out. And uh, shortly afterwards, I found out that they were coming to the last performance of South Pacific. Mm. And I looked out in the audience, and there they were, and they came backstage afterwards. And uh, Blake said, you want to go to Broadway?
6: And I said, sure.
3: Uh-huh.
9: And that's, that was it.
3: What a happy story. Yeah. That's a nice <laughs> story. Now, in the original production, Ezio Pinza the the played the role that you played, in, but of course as an older man, did you, did you play it in South Pacific uh, as an older man? Did you make yourself much older?
6: No.
9: No, I didn't. I, I didn't feel the need to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. Why, I, did, why did you feel that you were shortchanging yourself by doing another audition?
9: <coughs> <coughs> by my estimation, to go into a rehearsal hall with an upright piano, and to sing a number from Guys and Dolls <laughs> as an audition piece for an original piece, mm-hmm. <coughs> would have been – it was just a hunch, Isabel. I, I don't know. I could, it was a gamble. But I was just trusting my instinct, and uh, i wasn 't being cavalier or arrogant about it. I really wanted to stack the cards on my side as much as possible. I, I, I did not, and I, I should mention this that I followed that uh, or I included in my my declining to audition I included my made it very clear that I was extremely interested and excited about doing it.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, also in a in a, in a funny way, <coughs> um, you were auditioning by inviting him to come to South Pacific. So, in effect, uh, that was my You, you want to see what I can do. Mm-hmm. This is what I can do. Right. Rather than sitting and doing, uh, you know. I just right
9: thought. Well. Yes. I mean, I've been in the business long enough to have some to be somewhat acquainted with how people think, sure. and it really comes down to common sense. If I were a producer or a director, and if I were sitting out there looking at a young person that I was not sure about, uh, if they didn't have a body of work as a singer. Uh, And if they were in an audition room with a piano, I'd say, yeah, but how's he going to be with one of the biggest stars on the Broadway stage, namely, Giulietta? Will he freeze? Can he carry it? Is he present? What's he like with an orchestra? So these are all the things that went into consideration.
3: You were asking questions of yourself about them. It Would frighten me to death. <laughs> <But> while we're, <laughs> so we're on this, what about John? What do
2: you think about this?
1: Well, Michael and Mark both say uh, our, our, that's what I've always felt about auditions—that you can't, that they're, they're, you don't, know, you'll never know what to expect. I think is what you said, and serendipity plays a great part of it, and. I, I can't think of anything that I'd less rather do than audition. It's the most horrendous experience <laughs> yeah. that you. Well, can John, imagine. I
0: don't think. I mean, do, do you still audition a lot? I yes. Think. You do, really? Yeah. Because I would think you always audition, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> you just automatically would, would think that. No,
1: people would that's, move not, to that. that's not true. And even even when they don't, <clears throat> you've auditioned. The thing that I think that, that uh, if I can impart anything to, to younger people is that you're always auditioning, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any difference. You Stop auditioning. Even the bad auditions finally mount, uh, mount up, and you, you, you finally all the things that you've done and all the things that you've auditioned, and it, it all—it's it's well. Let's—I can start with anything that I've ever done, and it's all some kind of securities route. Uh, Showboat, for instance. Um,
2: well, I how did that come about, Molly? You're in Showboat. Yeah. And so, what was the story? Well, they
1: offered me Showboat. But the truth is that I came a, a year ago to, uh, to New York and did a benefit because I knew that How was going to be there. It was a, for How. It was a benefit for How and the TDF thing. And so I prepared the numbers. The only time I've ever prepared for a, a benefit, uh, I did something from the 20th century, which, uh, what it, which I'd done for How. It, it, it pleased me to do that, and I had done that role. And I'd been in it, so I knew I had the same feeling about doing that number that you have about them coming out there to see it. It's not like auditioning. It was my piece. Right. And I came and I knocked the hell out of that number, <laughs> <laughs> just because I wanted to impress Hal and make him remember that I was as good that as, I, was. as he remembered me. Uh-huh. And I think that that's what caused me to get the, the offer from them. Uh,
2: so that when you got the offer, then what was the next step?
0: They asked you directly to do it. They didn't say, will uh, you come and yeah. m- sing it? Yeah, my or, considerations
1: well, for instance, the number that I sang was I Rise Again from mm-hmm. uh, on the 20th century because th- I figured every half the people in New York thought I was dead.
6: <laughs> <laughs> and the other
1: half was sure that I couldn't sing anymore.
6: Uh,
1: so I thought this is an appropriate number to sing. You did so, it on Easter, right? So <laughs> I <laughs> sang I Rise Again. <laughs> also, it goes back a long way. I auditioned for Hal Prince years ago. Yeah. <coughs> Hal Prince, it came to me through other people, thought I was the dullest actor on Broadway. Mm-hmm.
0: Really?
1: That's the truth. And, and, and the, the truth is that I was about the dullest actor. <laughs> <laughs>
6: on, <I did laughs>
1: on a clear day – you see, he keeps, he keeps going back and back. I keep going back to my past, it? but on a clear day for which I auditioned thirteen times. Dang. The last time I auditioned, I walked up on the stage and refused to say a word, uh, because they had auditioned me. Well, it started out, I'd been in Camelot for, for, for uh, Alan J. Lerner, and then I heard that he had written a part for me, which I was penciled in for, in on A Clear Day You Can See Forever. And then I heard through – I mean, I read in the newspaper that they were looking for a John Cullum type.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Back to being dead. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh,
1: So anyway, to make a long story, short, I auditioned and auditioned for that part. Then they finally started auditioning for the lead, and I even had to learn to do a, 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 a Viennese accent for the lead. And they cast Louis Jordan. and I went out and did a movie, Hawaii. Then I got a call from the coast to come to Boston, and I thought they wanted me for the part that they'd penciled me in for. And I said, what's wrong with Clifford? And it's not Clifford, it's, uh, it's for the lead. So I ended up in on a clear day. And it was very, very exciting, they tell me, in, in Boston for the first two weeks, but by the time. that, that that they molded me, and so that I looked like Louis Jordan and, and spoke like Alan J. Lerner, I, I truly had become the dullest actor. <laughs> and that's how how friends
6: remember
1: me. This story goes on and on. <laughs> yeah. There's no well, way you were painted
0: with it. that brush of clear day. Yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> but and,
1: but uh, you know uh, i manipulated all the way through uh, for on the 20th century. I mean he he's. He had been looking all over for the lead for, for on the 20th century, and he said, "There's no." He was speaking to uh, Alexis Smith in California, saying, "Is bemoaning the fact that there are no classical actors in America who can sing," and she's, and they couldn't can't find anybody who could play the part that John Barrymore played in the movie. Mm-hmm. She said well, she mentioned my name, and he said, "He's the Dulcetron." (Laughter)
6: <laughs>
1: He has no. But the words that he used then was, "He has no sense of humor," and so. I had found out through my agent that he'd said so, I sent him reviews that I'd done out of New York, from, from, from Cyrano, from El Capitan, from Moliere, and different things that I'd done outside, and all of comic reviews, which, for which I'd gotten good reviews. And then he became very interested, and then he discovered me as a comic talent.
0: Put me into on the twentieth. That also says something about Hal being flexible too, as a
6: director. Oh yeah, of
1: Howell, course. You know, I, I make the. Fu- you no can, can only make. I to. would only make fun of Hal because he's exactly. such a giant in the theater. Yeah, yeah,
0: right.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's ask that. That's what's where the I was going. Where yeah.
0: did you audition? Right from Fresh and Porgy and Bess? Um,
10: yeah. well, yeah, I did audition you for did. Porgy and Bess. Yes. Oh, no, but I mean uh,
0: after that. I mean coming in.
10: Two for bringing the noise, bringing the funk. Yeah, yeah. No, I did not audition uh, George Wolfe and Samian Glover. Uh, I had the opportunity of working with them in Jelly's Last Jam. And uh, they asked me to do it. I was on the road with Porgy and Bess with the Houston Grand Opera, and we had an, uh, a hiatus of about two weeks. And I had a call about doing Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk, with Savion Glover. I yeah. said, so what am I going to be doing, <laughs> <laughs> Bring the saying? Noise, Bring in the Funk? <laughs> but anyway, um, George's vision, George Wolf's vision, is just so fabulous. He, he had it all planned. Um, I take care of the older portion of the show, <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I do the, the song styles of the twenties and the thirties and the forties, and, and uh, well, more than that, too. I, I do character voices and thirteen changes, quick changes. Once I go down to the stage, I never go back to my dressing room until intermission. I am worn out. But I'm having a great time! <laughs> and about auditions, I hate to audition. My hands get so clammy when I walk into an audition. I just hate to audition. And sometimes, they can be so disillusioning, because you get in there, and you sing. And there are like nine people sitting at the table, and when you finish, they're all applauding. And you walk out of there, and you're feeling so, wow, I know I got that job!
2: And you wait for the call, and
6: <laughs> you don't later. get it!
2: You know? And, um, and Yet, it, it's, it it has to be. Apparently, there are a few uh, cases where you haven't auditioned. Once George knows your work, absolutely, and therefore, and it was a part that was one that he knew that you could do. Why has it, why is it so terrible? What makes it so awful? I just, I, I just is there anything that that can be done that you can that you feel you to help? The producer, the casting agent, whatever it might be.
5: One thing I wanted to say about the upside of auditioning is that there have been situations where I have fought for an audition for something where someone has decided that based on what I've done, that I'm not right for something. And the one thing about the opportunity to audition is that it's an opportunity to shift somebody's perspective (coughs) about. The range of what you do, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and for that reason, I I like that that the opportunity sometimes exists to audition. It I still only get nervous, but when there's a real sense of purpose in in being there to uh, to say, I, I want to show you something else. I want to show you the possibility of something else, and know th- something you know
2: you're capable of, but. Other people don't. Passion, it would be. I have to show you. I can be ugly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, that was surprisingly (laughs) easier
5: than people. That was about.
0: (laughs) I want to pick up on that a little bit, and also Mm -hmm. because of of what goes on inside the head of an uh, an actor, a little bit both for audition. I mean, obviously, I was going to pick up on what Isabel said about. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice to see you this way because I've never knew. I've never known what you really looked like because having seen Fosca. In Passion and then and seeing Anna, yeah. And I, th- I thought, well, what does Donald? Do do, do what does she really <laughs> look like? Because not because of necessarily of the face, but what's going on inside, right? And you know, right. is really it's the it's, the, it's the mental mindset of the actor that I really see. changes the the whole demeanor. And I imagine you both could use that in terms of auditioning. What goes on? How do you gear up
5: That's beyond the climbing? That's what's too. Is that if and it's different for different circumstances. Um, but my dilemma also with audition <coughs> or or with even sometimes taking a meeting, you know which happens more in, in film and television, um, I like to have as much information as possible about a role so that I can make choices about what I choose to bring into the room, and very often that information is limited, sometimes because the people on the other side don 't know yet, they really haven 't made a decision about what they 're looking for um, but if uh, If you know that you could you could go in many different directions but want to make an educated choice, I need information to do that, mm-hmm. and sometimes it 's a struggle to get that um, and I, I You want people to meet you, you want to connect as a human being, and at the same time, sometimes they will meet Donna or Mark and say. Yeah, but he or she has a quality that's not right for this, and I want them to acknowledge that we are actors, and that we can make choices about what, what seed to, to isolate and let grow into a particular character. Um, I'm, I realize that there are essences that we all have that lend themselves better to one thing or another, but I wouldn't be in this business to just do one thing.
2: That's the beauty of what it, is the opportunity to do did many you bring what, what background did you bring in order to know, to bring out <coughs> that you something else that they did not see? Did you study? Did you?
5: You mean, what is my, my training? Yes. Or, um, I studied with Stella Adler at, at her conservatory. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to NYU. I was in their undergrad drama program, and studied Where you with come Stella. From? Born in Queens. Mm -hmm. and lived out on Long Island until I was eleven, and then a small town northeast of Boston, Topsfield. And then I came down to NYU. And then I studied at the Strasbourg Institute. Because you
2: need to know what to call on to bring out another you or another Mm -hmm. part of acting, which is your profession. But it it isn't anything that you do without having knowledge of which tap Mm -hmm. to uh, draw on, Mm -hmm. which is Some of it's
5: instinctive, and some of it is, is really uh, trusting text and what <coughs> text tells you about a character, mm-hmm. and pictures that are sparked in your mind. I guess
3: An- for Anne, it was uh, George orwell's <coughs> concept it was extraordinary because plainly what he needed to make the show work so well is humanity. You represent the humanity, of the human beings, particular kind of with, with all your gusto and vitality. Whereas the dancers, in the nature of the skill of tap dancing, it's almost inhumane because <coughs> it's so skillful. It has to succeed on a physical level of sheer skill, rather than on personality. So without you, the show would be sort of like the industrial scene, with all the other you, know, oh, yeah, you pour on the other thing yeah, continuously, bringing yeah. the audience in through you and through your singing. Because uh, uh, we admire the dancing, but the singing makes the whole thing. Exactly.
0: And how, and how did you – what was your background, too? I mean, all these questions, what, what mm-hmm.
10: Well, you know, uh, this is the first time that I've had the opportunity to be a performer in a, in a production and also be on the creative team. Mm-hmm. Um, when we started this production, there was no script. I came into the rehearsal thinking there was a script, and there was not. So we just created it from the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I created, composed the songs from uh, newspaper articles. From dialogue that uh, George Wolfe wrote and Reggie Gaines, who wrote the text, um, and, and that creative process. I have varied roles in this business. I played everything from Glenda the Good Witch to Ma Rainey to Lady Day to Mariah and Poiggy and Bess, and now I'm bringing in the noise and bringing in the funk. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I was able to incorporate this in, in, in what I do in bringing in the noise because I do gospel, I do the blues, I do. 20s, 40s music, and um, then I just like I said, some character acting, which I, I love to do. Different voices, you know. So what was your I'm training? Doing everything that I do. I am one of the people that did not have any formal training. I I was blessed with a gift to sing, and um, lo- listening and looking, you can learn so much mm-hmm. from people who think that they're not giving anything. <laughs> I have learned so much from people working in the ensemble from what they do on stage. I, 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 just by looking and, and working with fabulous musical directors, um, working with fabulous directors directing <coughs> me, um, I have gotten to where I am On-the-job training. On-the-job <laughs> training uh-huh. is what I've gotten. And um, it can be done, you uh-huh. know. I'm an example of that. And uh, I've been successful in this business, I mean, in that um, I have managed to work pretty consistently. I mean I've had some down times, which we all have down times, but um, I've worked pretty consistently.
0: <coughs> so. Do you have an ongoing act that you can do and others that you can haul out to go I mean like a cabaret no, act? I
10: no, no I don't. No I don't. I've well, people have asked me to do a cabaret act but no, I, I don't know. There's something about being on stage and having the audience back there, and I feel safe. Uh-huh.
6: <laughs>
0: <laughs> You've got the, you, between you and the pit. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yes. A moat.
10: Cabaret, you know, it's that like one on one kind of thing, and I have to deal with those faces, you know. And uh, I, I kind of like it like this.
0: <laughs> Daphne, what do you think about I mean, did, uh, you, you, as I say, you put your, so supposedly put your acting aside doing recording, but it sounds there's a little similarity here in terms of being a singer. As well, or first, or
4: Uh, no, I I don't um, I don't think of it as putting acting aside or or being one thing first. Um, Right now, I'm really lucky because they're synthesized. Um, But uh, I always I'm always writing. um, I'm always working on my music, my music, and it constantly evolves. So, um, and now because of the experience of Rent, my music is changing again. Mm-hmm. but uh, but i 'm always doing that, and as far as acting goes um, you know I talk about on the job training you know that 's really where i 've gotten most of my experience and, mm-hmm. and other actors, just the powerful examples that are out there of that's people true. you know learning that talent is not a criteria for success, and that um, you know, it's just, you get it sometimes that, like, it's just what you have to do. I realized after a while, though, after auditioning and auditioning, that um, being a natural, as it were, wasn't going to do much when there are amazing talents out there. So, um, so I studied with Bill Esper. He probably doesn't want me to say that publicly. <laughs> uh,
6: <laughs> but um, he actually
4: he taught me something. I learned that there was a technique, that when you couldn't pull it out of yourself in organically, that there was uh, a technique behind it. Um,
2: and I think in some way or other, you all have that. You have to have it. Dana, don't you have it? What do you do? <laughs> you. Judy.
4: Judy.
2: Judy. 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 You no <laughs> oh, well, wonder you I didn't know. answer. I come to almost did That's <laughs> so all right. <laughs>
7: I forgot what you asked, <laughs> <I'm just done. laughs> How, I uh,
0: You know, y- your take on uh, – well, your background, your training, and
7: uh,
0: how did you get to where you got, where just you to where are? where I got. This life um, of
3: pride. Yeah, yes, that's right. It bears a <laughs> bit of fruit.
7: Yeah. Um, well, I always think that, uh, aside from going to college, I just had the great fortune of starting in Chicago,
6: mm.
7: and uh, um, didn't put myself into the big time right away. Uh, when I try to share something with someone starting I, I think there 's so much to be said for regional theater more so now than ever, more so than when I started. But there were so many wonderful actors and directors from New York who came and worked uh, at the Goodman Theatre, which was where I worked quite a bit. Um, Is that where you first
0: worked after college or yes
7: yes at the my good. first equity job. Was How did you get into the Goodman theater yeah. auditioned uh-huh. and uh, They saw a certain amount of non-equity actresses and (coughs) actors, and uh, there was a tiny little part in a play called The Sea by Edward Bond, probably the strangest play I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I got it, and so then I became an equity member. And I also did commercials, because Chicago was a huge commercial market, and uh, (coughs) made a great living, and joined all the unions. And so, when I came to New York, I had a resume, a professional resume, mm-hmm. and I was a mem- you know union member in all three unions, so I had a lot of ammunition, That uh, aside from the wonderful experience of working with all of these gifted directors and actors, uh, not only out from New York, but from Chicago. I was working in the professional theatre directly out of college, and I think Why that was a great training ground.
3: Why isn't Chicago enough? Why do people yeah, have that's to true. come? <clears throat> because Chicago is plainly a very great city indeed, and in architecture, yeah. the mm-hmm. leader of the, of the country, and always has mm-hmm. been, but in, but in writing, but in writing too, you know, in the 1920s mm-hmm. when they had half a dozen of the best writers in America, but yet they wanted New York. now. Well,
7: it is Broadway. Um, yeah, there is that, that sparkle <laughs> that comes with it. But do you go back
3: to Chicago? Do you, uh, you still I have, like it? Yes,
7: yeah. I've gone back and worked. I, w- I will be critical for a minute of regional theater in general, not just Chicago, but part of the reason I did want to leave was that um, if I had been a 45 year old male, I could have had a leading role in a play and still lived in Chicago, but because I was a 26 year old female, then those, were, those actresses were brought from New York, right. and really? so there was a kind of <laughs> a prejudice that, since my address was Chicago, that maybe I wasn't good enough to play the leading lady, and I thought I was good enough, sure. so yeah. Um, yeah. I was ready to go on to bigger and better things, and that doesn't happen just in Chicago. I think it happens because then I did move to New York and I became the actress that went to washington <laughs> d c <laughs> so uh, it, you know there's there's something that a lot of actors who do stay uh, in regions and say
2: this is where I'm not going to live so and work, many and I think majority of them in that position want to come into New York and th- then bring their talents back, and it usually uh, enlarges their their position, their importance when they come back. Yeah, from New York. That's what I, but yeah, there's something yeah. about Chicago that uh, is so intriguing. You, you've got the Goodman Theater, you've got Steppenwolf Theater. What is there about Chicago that can spawn mm-hmm. these wonderful talents?
7: I, I think Chicago uh, has the uh, less pressure of of the pressure of broadway <coughs> the good thing is we have broadway new york has broadway but there, with that comes the pressure of mm-hmm. am i having fun you know um, <laughs> <laughs> a, a, yeah. therefore in chicago having worked there for 5 years i think it was mm-hmm. uh, it was about the work and that pressure of you know, millions of dollars are writing on this production. That simply wasn't true. So it was more about telling the story and all the things that I think we all got into the business mm-hmm. in the first place did, did you uh,
0: Did you come right out of uh, college, or did you go to graduate school? And were you at Northwestern or something? Or? No,
7: I went to <laughs> Illinois State University, and, uh, in normal Illinois. Um,
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it
7: was. It was yeah, very yeah, normal. <laughs> um, and uh, then I went straight to Chicago and started oh, yeah. working. Uh-huh. Yeah.
3: So there are three cities in America. The, the energy is just coming right up out of the street—New York, Chicago, and L.A. Those are the three intensely energetic, and you mm-hmm. feel it. They're, everything is altered for you emotionally by that. Mm-hmm. But you've mm-hmm. had three of those cities. You've had yes. them all. Yes. No, no. Yeah. Uh, years ago, the Guthrie <laughs> tried to be a wonderful, stable acting mm-hmm. group in, in Minneapolis, and in a sense, it, it, it couldn't be because Minneapolis doesn't generate the kind of energy. You have to have the superior energy, and it's almost.
8: Uh, I, I trained at the uh, drama school of Yale. Where? <laughs> <laughs> so <he laughs> just where said where I, that. I, I had to say that. <laughs> Unfortunately, did not get to take uh, George's wine appreciation course. Oh, you <laughs> know <laughs> about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was sorely missed. I didn't learn yeah, wine a great until one. much later. No, obviously, <laughs> yeah, I could have told you. <laughs> 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 um, I'd been an undergraduate at Yale, and Bob Brewstein uh, invited me to audition for the drama school. Uh, we oh, did as out of the Dramat? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: And now, yeah. we, we, when you were a little boy growing up, was that in New York or where was that? Uh,
8: in Connecticut. And my parents were always involved with theater. They met doing theater in, in college. Uh, my mother was dancing in a show. My father was directing at University of Missouri. Um, <coughs> they continued to do theater as I was growing up, and I th- that's really where I. It was always something important. It was. It was. The act of theatre was an important act, that, that communal act of, of the communication of, of image and idea. And it wasn't until I got to college that I decided that's what I wanted to do did with my life. Did you choose
0: Yale because of its uh, reputation as an arts college or, uh, or university? I had
8: been there as an undergraduate, and I had so seen – I mean, f- that,
0: but did you choose
8: Yale as an undergraduate because of that? Uh, no. Uh-huh. No, uh, I was just uh, looking. F- I didn't know what I wanted to do at that point, and uh,
3: wanted to become a professional football player. So That's right. you know? I, yeah. I yeah. gave yeah. up the football <laughs> career, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now, when you were a little boy, were you a funny little boy? Were you a clown?
6: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no,
3: no. Uh, because an idiot. awful lot of people begin to, uh, to assume the posture of, of uh, a successful uh-huh. humor uh, c- clown in, in extreme youth.
8: Yeah. No, Moliere
3: among no. them. I'm not putting you down. Oh yeah, No, or, that's, that's or no, coward, I didn't think you were,
2: until <laughs> <laughs> <But laughs> <till laughs> you said that. <laughs> Mark, he came out of Yale, right? <laughs> <laughs> Eventually. And then what? Uh,
8: attended the drama school, and then, uh, and then just started uh, working in New York, in regional theatre. Uh, I think there's, there's no, as, as you can hear from all of these stories, there's no one way to do it. The important thing is to find some place where you can focus on the work, if, if, that's, if that's what interests you, if that's what obsesses you. You find somewhere, some place, with people who you admire, where you can just focus on doing the work, and that's where you learn. That's where you put together How do you get to those people? Mm. There is no one way to do it. You, everybody here has had mm-hmm. a, a, different, uh, a different place, uh, a, a different time. If that's what you need, if that's what you want, you'll find it. Michael, did you um, uh, did you
0: start on what coast did you start on? Chicago. <laughs> here in New York. Yeah. So you did you grow up here, or did you go I to? Grew up, up I grew up here in the city.
9: Do you
2: feel the same way as Mark that that need that you wanted to be in the theater, and so therefore you did whatever needed to be done to be seen to be part of the
9: yes the group? Yes, I, I think there was an element of default in, in, involved in my story too because. Um, I think so much of it has to do with uh, Mark touched on on <coughs> role models. He had he, two parents who were involved in the business, and um, I, my role models were not involved in the business, and they were not really encouraging they, of, of being in the arts. Um, but I, I think that if the if the seed of that passion is is in the heart of a being, um, I mean, in in my my children, I, I encourage them to to pursue it. Uh, I would encourage any human being to just follow their passion, because as uh, Stanislavski says, it takes takes everything to create one moment of inspiration, and it takes nothing to destroy it. Mm. Have Uh, you
2: ever done anything else?
9: Besides acting, yes, I have, which is why I can speak with some authority about
6: <laughs>
9: how blessed, how blessed a thing it is to do what you love doing. I sold life insurance for three months. <laughs> it was so anathema to me that I, 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 I just, I, it, it was a gift because I said, never, ever again will I work in a room with neon lights. <laughs>
11: Here you are, uh,
9: nor nine to five, and nor sales, nor let alone, you know. Making money off of people by telling them that they're going to die someday.
6: Uh,
9: <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it drove me out of you know my first job after after that was uh, was waiting and it was clean money. It was so honest. It was great. I just loved waiting tables. It was
2: great. I'm mm-hmm. going to stop you right here and then come back to you. And Anne wants to say something too, so we're going to come back to all of that. But we have to. Just stop for one minute, and everybody's going to stand up and stretch and turn around. Get any questions that you have ready, <coughs> and we'll go to questions and answers. But we'll so come we back can. and take Isabel, up. Miss I'm going we'll to for okay.
0: one second. I think we, we should change? also <laughs> acknowledge that this is the 432nd birthday of William Shakespeare. Oh, I and we can contemplate right. that as we. Oh, take okay. a I thank you. the
2: same <laughs>
0: This is CUNY TV, Channel 75.
2: We're continuing the American Theatre Week Seminars on Working in the Theatre, which are coming to you from the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. This seminar is on the performance, and there's a group of fabulous performers here with much to say. And I'm hoping that George White and Brendan Gill, our co-moderators, will bring it out. <laughs> so <laughs> start.
10: <laughs> Why not? That's right.
0: Well, as we left, last left. Michael Nury. He was waiting on table in a seedy <laughs> restaurant in uh, Will he get out of it and go into the <laughs> theatre, is the question. Tell me, how did you get out of doing that, and what happened to you? Uh, I auditioned. I, I, was,
9: I heard about a, uh, a play called Forty Carrots that uh, Abe Burroughs was going to direct and David Merrick was producing, and Julie Harris was, was acting in. And I, I went in on this open call, and, and I auditioned. And I got the part, and I went back and I tendered my resignation at my acting uh, my, my waiting job.
3: <laughs> Most waiters that I find who are young actors or actresses in New York uh, are left-handed. Are you left-handed? There's an extraordinary thing about acting. If you watch on movies or on stage, the predominance of left-handedness is extraordinary. And I keep nudging people who go to the fair. I believe also me. they're
8: communists. Uh, <laughs> uh, red, red, red Hot Communists. Red, red, red
3: Hot Communists. But, <laughs> but, but you're not, you're not left out. Oh, no, I, I'm not left out. Or a communist. You <don't> have <laughs> ever been Don't have I ever been one night there were seven you waiters know, in a restaurant, all room. left-handed <laughs> and all actors, and I did not poll myself, so I know it's true. Oh. Well, well, there's one theory that Japanese:. Jeopardy's <laughs> was so right. are,
0: I want to go back quickly, and to uh, your clammy hands. Oh, and no. what you do to get over that mm-hmm. when you go into an audition? Anybody else well, who wants I to
10: just, talk about that? Th-
6: <laughs> no, but you
10: know, I did want to <laughs> say there is a saving grace sometimes in, in auditions, even those auditions that you don't get. I have gotten a number of jobs from auditions that I didn't get, because oh. people saw me and um, had another project going on, mm-hmm. and I would get a call, and they would tell me that they wanted me to do that job. So there is a, a saving grace, you know. But um, you're talking about getting started. Uh, when. Uh, I saw The Wiz, I I remember Mm -hmm. going to see The Wiz, and I said, oh, God, I would love to do something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I questioned, how how do you get into this? How do you do this? And somebody told me about uh, a trade publication called Show Business. And uh, in this, I saw an ad for a show called Bubbling Brown Sugar. Mm -hmm. and. I made up this resume. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <now>. but
10: um, <laughs> uh, but prior to that, I, I also saw in the show business a, a Lincoln Center. There was a concert being held there. Uh, Chapman Roberts, who was a musical director, he was also the musical director for Bubbling Brown Sugar, and I recognized the name. I had gotten that job. So anyway, um, I got my first job from show business trade publication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. yeah.
0: Not through going to. Yale School of Drama (laughs) or NYU. That that's wonderful. (laughs) There is life outside those institutions.
10: Yeah, and and it's good for people to know that. You know, I I think it's very important.
3: What about Uh, professional uh, training of your voice and all that?
10: No, uh, I well, I grew up singing in church. My mom was a uh, singing a gospel quartet, and when uh, they would travel around, she would take me. I was about nine years old, and book me on the program as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, I started singing very young. And that's part of my training, you know? And like I said, from watching wonderful actors, wonderful actresses, fabulous singers, listening, that's my training. We
2: hear a lot about networking uh, in in, in corporations, but I think in the theatre, one of the strongest powers that I can imagine is the network that's between performers, as you mentioned, that somebody auditions and doesn't get the job, then immediately we tell someone else. They're not. I don't think that actors are competitive in the theater. They, sure, they want the part, but if they can't mm-hmm. get it, they're very generous with seeing that someone else has a try at it. Oh, absolutely. I've recommended
10: people for, for jobs. You know, um, I think we have to do that.
0: Do you all talk among yourselves a little bit about? Hey, you ought to go to this edition, You might be right for it. Oh,
10: absolutely. Or I hear that they're doing.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
10: That's how I got spunked with George Wolf. Um, one of my colleagues had gone to the audition, and she said, I went to this audition, I don't understand the script, and she was telling me what it was about, and she said, uh, maybe you should go. And I said, well, it, it was the end of – he had been auditioning for like three months to get the right person. And I went in at the end, the last two weeks, and I got the job. So mm-hmm. you never know, when you network with each other, you never know what you can get out of it. You
0: well, John, what is your experience? I mean, how, what is your training uh, also back? I was um, a, a church singer. You were? I, yes, I was fired from two church uh, <laughs> <laughs> You weren't the dullest singer taught in taught church, were you? <laughs> no, but I
1: wasn't. I studied music because uh, I got a job through nepotism in, in, a, in a big Methodist church, and when I sang the first time, I always sang about a quarter of a tone sharp. <laughs> I was so nervous. <laughs> and they came to me and said, "Look, we're paying you forty dollars a week, a month for this job, and you can't sing." <laughs> I said, but we'll let you stay on for a while if you spend this money to take some training. So I, I started training, and then about two years later after they fired me, I uh, got a job at the First Baptist Church, and uh, after I sang my first song, then they fired me again. (laughs) So my first training was as a singer. It's interesting to me, I don't want to talk about that. What? It's interesting to me Is is, uh, that uh, we're talking about auditioning, and what I've observed, this is not part of the conversation, but just an observation that I've had over, over the years is that actors will work on a scene like crazy before an audition, and when they have to sing something, they will uh, if they can sing through the music one time, they're, they're willing to go up and, 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 and go to an audition, thinking that they're prepared. And a singer who will work an incredible amount of time on, on songs and music and intonation and all this, in study and vocalizing excellent will look at a, a script and if they can read through it and they don't mispronounce a word or think they don't mispronounce, they've prepared for an audition. So that's always been an interesting thing to me that they're, that the people that we we and also it kind of ties in with the idea that I heard from a very good writer once that most writers don't write one of the one of the shortcomings of writers uh, quite often, even good ones is that they refuse to write about the most painful and emotional things, and, and, and if they can break through that they can they can really write some great stuff. We, we seem to avoid the areas where we could really open our ourselves up uh, mm-hmm. that 's just my observation that 's mm-hmm. i don't th- have I,
2: don't, I think in the past uh, half a dozen years Ed, that doesn't tend to be so anymore. Well, I hear that abruptly. from because because uh, I'm sure. standing between two <coughs> performers
1: that, that like me keep going between. I, but going also, between when music you talked and, about and preparing
2: for, who tells you what to prepare for, and who do you listen to? You're an agent, the mm-hmm. casting, what?
1: Well, I have a theory that, that 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 there are two different ways that you approach theater. One of them is you you approach it. The actor uh, uh, uses the material uh, to express <laughs> himself. Or he uses himself to express the material, and um, uh, I, my own training, I'm much more comfortable um, getting to know the material, studying it like Shakespeare's. A lot of fun for me because I can. There's so much I don't know about it, and there's so many different things to learn. And singing too, I'm not a good. Don't know much about singing. I mean. So there's a lot to study. Do you study. continue
2: to study as you will? Well, I
1: study everything that I do, but I'm not a very good student. I mean, I'm, I'm OK. With it. <laughs> uh, the point is that, that you, you can prepare and prepare and prepare for a role. And then when you do the role, you're, you're, serving, the, you're serving the material. In other words, if you're doing Shakespeare, or if you're doing a musical, or anything that you're doing, you're, try- you're telling the story that the author wrote. But then, you, if you're really lucky, pretty soon yes. there, there are <coughs> moments in those, in those times when you begin to speak for yourself, and when you get those, those are the moments of
0: ex- ecstasy
1: on the th- in the mm-hmm. theater. For me, I don't know whether <clears throat> it's ma- real
2: fulfillment. I mean. yeah.
0: how, how do you? Yeah, that, that brings up something else of how you bounce off an audience. Do you get that coming? Is it from within yourself, or do you get it coming from the other way, coming across the pit, across the foot? You
1: know, line? you know when, when you when it begins to op- when you begin to affect an audience, it begins to stimulate you. And you, and, and you become more centered, you become more focused, and you, and you, you begin to reach inside yourself for things that you want to express more. That's, th- that's what I'm talking about. You begin to say things that really are important to you as a performer, through the material. And that's when you go beyond the
2: material. What do you do when you don't reach the audience and the audience is not with you? What do you call upon? What happens You do your you? job. You, then what? You
9: just you do your job. That's where the technique that you were talking yeah. about comes in. What that is that? Bill Esper was, was How do talking you bring about. It? Well, it's an individual thing. Uh,
2: what do you do? The audience is sitting there. What
9: do you do? I basically hit my marks and say my lines <laughs> and listen to my partner. And when you're doing eight shows a week, as the present company knows, um, and as all of you uh, might be interested in knowing, uh, you're, you're going on with your life eight times a week. However, whatever condition your life is, and you, uh, somebody may have just died in your family, you may be sick, but you have to go on, and you do it. So, what happens is, uh, I just look into the eyes of my partner, and and I, I know that they will save me. That they'll pull me through. I listen. I focus. I really, really
0: listen. I, I pay attention. Is that how you also keep <coughs> a role from going stale? Because yes. I know I a lot so. of you have been in long runs, and some mm-hmm. of you hopefully will be in even longer runs now. So we've got. But is is that the the thing that you do? Because I would think after a while. Yeah, I, there's I nothing
9: more interesting than somebody who's really listening. <laughs> I, I don't think you, you, John. You said something about. That, that ecstatic, ecstatic thing that happens when there's that synergistic thing. With it. Well, for me, that
1: would be if somebody had died in my family and I was playing <laughs> something on stage that that related to, and I suddenly was able to express through the material that I have the feelings that I have about yeah. that person having died. Now, that's, that to me happens on stage. Some people use that technique in order to, uh, to approach the role. Uh, I have never done that. Uh, I, I generally let those <clears throat> moments happen. After I'm in a role, but uh, I mean I'm not. I, I just don't work that way, or I can work that. Way. If you studied with Stella Adler, I'm sure you'd work the other way.
2: Judith,
7: um, and the experience that's just I was trying to jump in and add to it is <coughs> what happens in a given evening. One that has nothing to do with the audience, and that has on one level nothing to do with me and my boredom. <laughs> I have a two-year-old, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, my babysitter didn't show up on a Friday night, and so everyone in the theatre said, oh, no, bring him, it'll be great!
6: <laughs> and
7: <laughs> I guess I don't need to finish this <laughs> uh, He, unbeknownst to me, had uh, the flu. And I was holding him at intermission, and then they said places, and I stood up in a very grand dress that I got to wear in the second act. And he projectile vomited all over me, and they said, go, oh, it'll be all right! <laughs> so I kind of wiped the vomit off and ran on. And it, had, it was probably one of the most interesting <laughs> interpretations of that scene, because all I was thinking about was my son, which the character I play right now is preoccupied with everything that possibly goes on in the world. So I had this wonderful preoccupation. plus. The aroma.
0: <laughs> and your fellow
9: actors uh, must have yes, been everyone
7: wondering. Yes, and kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So there are all kinds of, of events that I think inform a scene that has nothing to do with whether the audience is responding or not. And I think, in fact, the scene was better, because there was this other level that had nothing to Sheer do with the Sheer terror.
1: I, had, I, had, I, 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 I was on – in Shenandoah, they slipped a, a real baby on the stage. <laughs> That in the, which is the end of the first act, and I thought I had always played that scene so well and so beautifully, until <laughs> I got to that moment and unbeknownst there was a real baby. And this, what happened to me was so different from anything mm-hmm. that I had ever imagined, and I kept trying to recreate that moment. and And I, I had it for a while, but it. It it was very humbling to me because I could never get back to the reality of it. And if I thought if I could do that, I would really be great. Did they
2: do that for that very reason in order to? Well, they did as a joke. (laughs) 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 I thought they were trying to tell you something.
1: They may have been (laughs) trying to improve my performance. (laughs) Sometimes
5: uh, I've been in experiences where I'm six or I haven't done a lot of long runs, but six or eight months into a run of something, and will literally, on a line, in a moment, think, oh, my God, that's that's, – that's (laughs) and and it's not that that's – now I know what she should be doing or how it should be stressed, but it's like you suddenly know what it means. Mm -hmm. Um, That sounds so very basic, and I'm sure I thought I knew what it meant. In a million different ways, prior to that moment, and it means many things, and that's also the beauty of doing sometimes something eight times a week, for a run, in that, um, even in King and I now, I'm, I feel like I'm still in rehearsal on that in many ways, um, and there's there's a letter I read every night, and the thoughts that pass through my mind that are connected to the play, not connected to, I mean, it's like a a collage of emotion and images. And I, when I first, I think the first time I ever did a principal role in an extended run, it made me very nervous when I found my mind going in many different places. And I was very quick to judge it and say, I'm not in the moment. I'm not 100% here. And then I started to allow that to happen and to trust that in a way that was a blessing. Because it was keeping me open to things that might motivate me or move me in other ways and keeping things fresh. And I would if I were looking at John across stage in a scene, would try to see something new, whether it was the way his button was frayed or the texture of his skin was different, that those little things open you up to something new. Um, in addition to wonderful writing and music, or whatever you're working with,
2: you know. But you don't have time for that, Mark, do you, in, in the in the, <laughs> the, the pace is so fast. No, absolutely.
8: The, the, the wonderful thing about a long run is that you get the chance mm-hmm. to relax into yourself and into the role, and allow things to to resonate. It's, it's not a matter of, you know, how, how fast you're moving. Th- you know, your mind is, is always going, is always working, and you find yourself <laughs> finding out about what's going on, just what's <laughs> going on in that moment. But I would imagine there's also terror, if you once lost
0: one moment with some of that business going on, I would hate to think what would happen.
8: Well, that's yeah. a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
6: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a mistake.
8: that's not being in the moment. <laughs> no. If, no. You're, if you're in the moment, you you, you are do. able to execute the, the requirements of the material and the role, and be present, and just mm-hmm. be yourself.
3: It's, it's amazing. There's a, a
8: combination of things,
3: too. It's I mean, juggle. Uh, yeah.
1: Yes. It, it, I mean, there's technical things. You've always got to have that technical mind that's there behind mm-hmm. it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, that, and that a lot of the theatre is technical. For instance, uh, with Tony Roberts uh, and I were in a show called uh, Doubles, and we had to do Frontal Nudity, and just uh, uh, Austin Pendleton, mm-hmm. at one particular point. Dropped his breeches, uh, and uh, and uh, Tony was complaining to me about having lost to laugh, and I said, <laughs> if you would ask Austin to drop his drawers one beat later, you'll get your laugh back. So it's just a technical thing. It's <laughs> true. He was uh, everybody was watching Austin, and lost uh, lost his line. So uh, even though he was giving the line every, he was giving the line exactly the same way. Well, it was something technical that was going wrong.
2: <laughs> We're going to go to questions now. We have our first question.
10: Hi, um, my name is Meredith Powell. I'm a theater major at Adelphi University, and this question is for the entire panel. Um, have you ever been discouraged by casting agents about your talent, and what made you
7: sure of your talents? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Anybody? Yeah.
6: Let's start from the right.
9: Very briefly, yes, I've been discouraged <laughs> by casting people.
10: Mm-hmm.
9: Yes, it's been discouraging. And what was the?
10: Um, what made you sure of your talents?
9: What made me sure of my uh, experience? doing it again and again and again.
6: Mm
5: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I've definitely experienced times of discouragement from Mm -hmm. individuals, but often it's come around where somebody Mm -hmm. who years ago, um, whatever, didn't think I had the goods to do a certain kind of work, then uh, had an opportunity to see me do something else and brought me in again. And um, and in terms of…
2: Oh. In terms of Mark, (laughs) I don't
5: know, have you been discouraged? (laughs) There's
8: there's always a a constant uh, struggle to uh, to believe in yourself, uh, to understand your own talent, believe in your talent, and and to get, you know, people who uh, hire you and who will uh, help to hire you to also believe. That's that's always a struggle.
7: Amen.
8: (laughs) Yeah. Are you afraid of being interrupted?
2: (laughs) (laughs) We'll skip Brendan and George. Well, I think with this uh, business. I won't (laughs) take
8: offense.
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have lots of confidence. Mm -hmm. So does George. Yeah, we do.
2: (laughs) With this
10: business comes a degree of pain. Um, uh, You know, I I haven't necessarily had discouragements uh, with casting agents, but uh, I've had some disappointments in. uh, a role that I thought I had, that I was going to do, and then I didn't get, and and that kind of thing. But like he said, uh, Believing in Yourself is a song that I did in The Wiz, (laughs) and I've lived by that. I I believe in myself, and it keeps me going.
1: Well, um, it's happened to me so many times, and evokes so many painful memories, I'd rather not talk about (laughs) it. My turn?
4: Um, I think, I, I can't stand when casting directors don't um, – they're not looking at you, and you know that they've already made up their minds. Yeah. But um, I think that also in that, is that uh, I've been, like, really devastated. I cry in the shower, <laughs> but just, just knowing that you're going to show up um, for the next thing, I think, is very confidence-building, that like, in spite of it, you're doing it anyway. That, after a while, you realize you've li- reached a level of confidence, and then you kind of get Insecure, but then you've reached another <coughs> level, so it's like an
6: onion.
11: Great. Hi, my name is Tom Hutton, and I, as I told Isabel a moment ago, um, I've had almost as much passion as, as she has uh, for uh, the last 20 years uh, towards the theater. And I'm going to preface my question with a very quick tribute. Someone on our panel here was responsible directly for, for my passion <coughs> for 20 years. Um, John Cullum was involved in a production of Shenandoah in the early 70s that I saw. And and he kind of inspired the magic um, and the the, the love that uh, that I've been able to nurture over the 20 years. And I came back and saw you in the revival, and you were just as wonderful. Uh, You're a dynamite performer. My question! um, (laughs) There's there's four panelists on the uh, the floor there who have TV and film uh, credentials. Uh, between Michael and and Mark and Judith and, and John. How does the performer reconcile the tremendous imbalance in the revenue that's available? I mean, you cannot make a living in the theatre. How do you juggle? How do you juggle? I, I think, for me, um, it, it's a matter of doing
9: one so that I can afford to do what I really love to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is more commercial and, 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 you know, you make more money in, in television or in film, and that affords me the opportunity to do what I love to do on stage. Not that I
0: don't love doing the other, but
7: mm-hmm.
0: you understand? Yes. Anybody else want to leap in on that one?
7: Uh, I don't see it as a reconciliation. It's I'm terribly grateful for the fact that I get to do all of it, mm-hmm. um, but I'm most grateful for the fact that two of those mediums subsidize the one I love to do.
5: <laughs> I- I've been fortunate in the past few <coughs> years to just be doing more film and TV Along with theater, and there's things about each medium that I love, and the thing, the joy is being able to go back Mm -hmm. and forth, enjoy each for what it is, and uh, have the blessing of being able to work in the different mediums.
2: Is there you have to bring another technique to camera to movies to television? There's certain technical things
5: that you that you deal with. In each, yeah.
0: It's a matter of scale a lot, isn't it? Scaling a performance up or down for the camera as opposed to an audience. And and
5: shaping it and dealing with Mm -hmm. shooting things several times and out of sequence, that sort of thing.
10: Hello, Uh, my name is
2: Helen
10: Johnson. Hello, my name is Helen Johnson, and Donna, this question is directed to you. I am the mother of an aspiring actress who is (laughs) entering NYU's drama school in the fall. And uh, she's not wanted to go anywhere else, and I just wanted you to tell me what makes the school so special.
5: Um, how old is she? Uh, Eighteen. Eighteen. Is she from the New York area? Yes. We live in uh, in Bourbon County. That's good. What was hard for me about NYU was that, because I had, hadn't grown up in the New York area, I found the distraction of the business really hard. And um, I, I was taking my academics at the university and studying. At the conservatory staff. And And, um, I was really starstruck and started buying backstage and going and show business and going to open calls, um, and got a Broadway show. I went to an open call for a musical and Mm -hmm. got a job Uh my sophomore year in college. And I, just the distraction of this business happening was hard, and I found that I wasn't really mature enough to just Stay focused on being in class uh-huh. um, and then I went later back, not to NYU but to, to, to class with a different teacher uh-huh. and, and studied some more. The great thing about being at NYU is the very thing that distracted me is that New York is <laughs> an incredible city the museums the um, the people watching uh-huh. the the libraries the Just the city itself and the energy of it is phenomenal. And the people who teach there are
2: the best. Interrupt again, I said I wasn't going to do it at the very beginning of this, but here (laughs) I am doing it again. We there just isn't time for (laughs) all the information that we can get and, and that you're so willing to share with us. And I would like to add that I think one of the most marvelous things about going to any university, any college or any school in New York City is this wonderful campus that we have here and everything that's that's available to you including these seminars which could not take place anywhere else but in new york city where we couldn't call upon the people that the wing does to share their knowledge with you on what it is to work in the theater and this is just one of the year-round programs that the american theater wing does although right now we are celebrating the 50th anniversary of our tony awards we are a year-round organization, and saying theatre loud and clear in high schools, and in, in uh, hospitals, and nursing homes, and aid centers, and bringing talent into the schools. And everything we do is based on servicing the community through the theatre. And in that way, also saying, go to the theatre, and we hope that we are developing an audience for the future. I'm Isabel Stevenson, I'm president of the American Theater Wing, and I thank you all for being here, and I thank you, panel, for taking part in this. Thank you.